Well, hello, friends, brothers and sisters, children of God. Welcome back to Jack the Bridge. In a moment, we will continue with chapter 29 of Nikos Katzenzakis' phenomenal book, The Last Temptation of Christ. Up until this point, in and out of many of these chapters, it has been kind of a dream sequence. And there's a little bit of relief for some in the sense that some of these, especially more gruesome appearing happenings, are, are, are dreams. But just a note here. This is the most pivotal chapter of this entire book as far as the real world, this world, the world that he is not from, the world that we are not from. This is no dream and it's it's no joke, and this is the most pivotal chapter, and it's short. So I just want to make you aware of that. Um, it's not rated G. So let's take it to the bridge. They seized Jesus, hooting at him. They dragged him over the rocks through the clumps of cypresses and olive trees, down into the Cedron Valley, into Jerusalem, and finally to Cephas' palace, where the council was assembled and waiting to judge the rebel. It was cold. The servants warmed themselves before fires they had lighted in the courtyard. Levites constantly issued from within with reports. The evidence brought against Jesus was enough to make the hair stand on end. This recipient of the divine malediction had uttered such and such blasphemies concerning the God of Israel, such and such concerning the law of Israel. And he had said he was going to tear down the holy temple and sow it with salt. Peter Heavily bundled up, slid into the yard, keeping his head bowed. He held his head, hands before the fire, warmed himself, and listened tremblingly to the reports. A maidservant came by and halted when she saw him. Hey, old man, she said, why are you hiding from us? Lift your head so we can see you. I think you were with him. Several Levites heard her words and approached. Peter was afraid. He raised his hand. I swear, I don't know the man, he said, and he drew toward the door. Another maidservant passed by, saw him trying to leave, and put out her hand. Hey, old man, where are you going? You were with him. I saw you. I don't know the man. Peter cried once more, pushing the girl aside. He continued on, but at the door, two Levites stopped him. They grabbed him by the shoulders and shook him violently. Your accent betrays you, they shouted. You're a Galilean, one of his disciples. 
Peter began to swear and curse, and he shouted, I don't know the man. At that moment, the cock of the yard crowed. Peter groaned loudly. He remembered the rabbi's words. Peter, Peter, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. He went out to the street, collapsed onto the ground, and burst into tears. Day was breaking. The sky turned blood red. A pale Levite flew out of the palace in an uproar. The high priest is rending his clothes. What do you think the criminal just said? I am Christ, the Son of God. All the elders jumped up. They're ripping their clothes and shouting, Death! Death! Another Levite appeared. Now they're going to take him and lead him to Pilate. He's the only one who has the right to kill him. Make way for them to pass. The doors are opening. The doors opened, and out came Israel's nobility. First, walking slowly, the overweight high priest Cephas. Behind him, a mass of beards, sly, malformed eyes, toothless mouths, and evil tongues. The elders, they were all staggering from rage and steaming behind them. Jesus, tranquil and sad, blood ran from his head, for they had struck him. Hoots, laughter, and cursing broke out in the yard. Peter jumped up and supported himself against the jam of the street door, his tears flowing. Peter, Peter, he murmured, coward, liar, traitor, rise up and shout, I am with him, even if they kill you. He advised his soul, excited it, but his body motionless, leaned against the doorpost and trembled. On the threshold, Jesus tripped and stumbled forward, putting out his hand to catch hold somewhere. He found Peter's shoulder. The other turned to marble and did not breathe a word, did not stir. He felt the rabbi's hand hooked into him, not letting him go. It was not fully light out yet, and Jesus did not turn in the bluish darkness to see what he had grasped to prevent himself from falling. He regained his balance and, behind the elders and surrounded by soldiers, started out once more toward the palace tower. Pilate had awakened, washed, anointed himself with aromatic oil, and was pacing nervously back and forth on the high solarium of his tower. He had never liked this Passover day. The Jews, drunk with their God, would work themselves into a frenzy, come to blows again with the Roman soldiers, and this year another massacre might break out, which was not in the best interests of Rome. This Passover, he had an additional worry. The Hebrews would by all means crucify the poor Nazarene, the crazy one. Disgraceful race. Pilate clenched his fist. He was overcome by an obstinate desire to save this imbecile, not because he was innocent. Innocent, what did that mean? Nor because he pitied him. Alas, if at this point he began to pity the Jews, but... In order to enrage the disgraceful Hebrew race, Pilate heard a great tumult beneath the tower windows. He leaned out and saw that his yard had filled with jewelry. He could also see the maniacal multitude which filled the porches and tiers of the temple to overflowing. 
Armed with staffs and slings, the crowd shoved, kicked, and hooted Jesus, whom the Roman soldiers were guarding and pushing toward the immense tower door. Pilate went inside and sat down on his coarsely sculptured throne. The door opened. The two colossal Negroes pushed Jesus in. His clothes were in tatters and his face covered with blood, but he held his head high and in his eyes gleamed the light, calm and far removed from men. Pilate smiled. Once more, I see you before me, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. It seems they want to kill you. Jesus gazed through the window at the sky. His mind and body had already departed. He did not speak. Pilate became angry. Forget the sky, he yelled. You'd better look at me. Don't you know I've got the authority to release you or crucify you? You have no authority over me, whatever. Jesus calmly replied, no one has but God. Below, there were maniacal cries, death, death. Why are they so rabid? Pilate asked. What have you done to them? I proclaimed the truth to them, Jesus answered. Pilate smiled. What truth? What does truth mean? Jesus' heart, constricted with sorrow. This was the world. These the rulers of the world. They ask what truth is and laugh. Pilate stood before the window. He remembered that just yesterday they had seized Barabbas for the murder of Lazarus. It was an established custom to release a prisoner on the day of the Passover. Whom do you want me to release to you? He shouted, Jesus, the king of the Jews, or Barabbas, the bandit? Barabbas! Barabbas! howled the people. Pilate called the guards and pointed to Jesus. Scourge him, he ordered. Place the crown of thorns on his head. Wrap him in scarlet cloth and give him a long reed to hold as a scepter. He is a king. Dress him like a king! He had devised to present him to the people in this pitiful state, hoping they would feel sorry for him. The guards seized him, bound him to a column, and began to thrash him and spit on him. They plated him with a crown of thorns and thrust it onto his head. The blood spurted from his forehead and temples. They drew a scarlet cloth over his back, passed a long reed through his fingers, and then brought him back to Pilate. When the Romans saw him, he could not keep from laughing. Welcome to his majesty, he said. Come, let me show you to your subjects. He took him by the hand and they went out into the terrace. Behold the man, he shouted. Crucify him! Crucify him! The people began to howl. Pilate ordered a basin and a pitcher of water brought him. He leaned over and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I wash and rinse my hands, he said. 
It is not I who spill his blood. I am innocent. May the sin fall upon you. His blood be on our hands and on the heads of our children, the people bellowed. Take him, Pilate said, and don't bother me anymore. They seized him, loaded the cross on his back, spit at him, beat him, kicked him toward Golgotha. The cross was heavy, staggering. He looked about him. Perhaps he would discover one of the disciples and nod to him so that he might take pity on him. He looked and looked. No one. He sighed. Blessed is death, he murmured. Glory be to God. The disciples, meanwhile, had burrowed into Simon the Cyrenian's tavern. They were waiting for the crucifixion to be over and night to fall so that they could escape without being seen. Squatting behind the barrels, they listened with cocked ears to the happy throngs which passed by outside in the street. The whole city, men and women, had begun to run toward Golgotha. The people had enjoyed a fine Passover, had eaten more than enough meat, drunk more than enough wine, and now here was the crucifixion to while away their time. The people ran, the disciples listened to the noise in the street and trembled. Now and then John's muffled weeping could be heard. At times Andrew rose and paced up and down the tavern, uttering threats, Peter cursed and vilified himself for being a coward and not having the courage to race outside to be killed along with the master. How many times had he sworn to him, with you, rabbi, to death? But now that death had appeared, he had burrowed behind the barrels. Jacob grew furious. John, he said, stop your bawling. You're a man and you, gallant Andrew, don't twist your mustache. Sit down. Sit down, all of you. Let's come to a decision. Suppose he's really the Messiah. What kind of faces will we appear before him if he is resurrected in three days' time? Do you think about that? What do you say, Peter? If he's the Messiah, we're done for. That's what I say, answered Peter hopelessly. I told you, I already denied him three times. But if he isn't the Messiah, we're still done for, said Jacob. What do you say, Nathaniel? I say we should get out of here. Whether he's the Messiah or not, we're done for. And leave him like this, unprotected. How can your hearts endure that, said Andrew, starting to rush toward the door. But Peter caught hold of his tunic. Sit down, wretch, before I break you in a thousand pieces. Let's find another solution. Hypocrites and Pharisees, Thomas hissed. What solution? Let's speak out and not blush over it. We made a transaction. We sank in all our capital. Yes, business. Why look daggers at me? That's what we did. We transacted a little business. You give me and I give you. I gave you wares, combs, spools of thread, pocket mirrors. In exchange for the kingdom of heaven, all of you did the same. One gave his boat, another his sheep, 
a third, his peace of mind. And now the whole affair has gone to the devil. We're bankrupt. Our capital has disappeared down the drain. Look out. We don't lose our lives in the bargain. What advice do I give then? Go while the going's good. Agreed, shouted Philip and Nathaniel. Go while the going's good. Peter turned anxiously to Matthew, who was sitting off to one side. He had been listening with cupped ear, not breathing a word. For God's sake, Matthew, Peter said, don't write all this down. Play deaf. Don't make us ridiculous for all eternity. Don't worry. I know what I'm doing, Matthew answered. I see and hear a lot, but I select a word, however, for your own good. Come to a noble decision. Show how brave you are so that I can write about it and you poor fellows can be glorified. You are apostles and that's no small matter. Just then, Simon the Cyrenian shoved open the tavern door and entered. His clothes were torn, his face and chest full of blood and his right eye swollen and running. Cursing and groaning, he threw off the rags that remained on him, plunged his head in the tub he used to clean the wine glasses, grabbed the towel and wiped his chest and back, all the while bellowing and spitting. Then he put his mouth to the tap of the barrel and drank. Hearing a disturbance behind the barrels, he leaned over. When he saw the pile of huddling disciples, he went wild. Out of my sight! Filthy dogs, he screamed at them. Bah! Is this the way you stick to your chief? Ducking out of the battle, eh? Lousy Galileans. Lousy Samaritans. Lousy bastards. God knows our souls were willing, Peter ventured. But our bodies. Shut up, Jabberjaws. Bah! When the soul is willing, the body doesn't mean a thing. All become soul, even the club in your hand, the coat on your back, the stones you walk over, all, all. Look, cowards, look at me, black and blue, my clothes in tatters, my eyeballs ready to fall out of my head. Why, the devil take you, filthy disciples, because, damn it, I defended your master, I fought the whole population. Me, me, the innkeeper, the lousy Cyrenian. And why did I do it? Was it because I believed he was the Messiah and tomorrow he'd make me great and important? Not a bit. No, not a single bit. It was because my confounded self-respect got hold of me. And I'm not sorry either. He paced up and down, tripped over the stools, spat, cursed. Matthew was sitting on hot coals. He wanted to learn what happened at Cephas Palace. What at Pilate's? What the teacher said, what the people shouted, so that he could record it all in his book. If you believe in God, Simon, my brother, he said, quiet down and tell us what happened. How, when, and where, and if the teacher spoke. He certainly did speak, Simon answered. Damn you to hell, disciples. That's what he said. Well, right. 
Why are you looking at me? Grab your pen and write, damn you to hell. Lamentations arose from behind the barrels. John was rolling on the ground and screeching, and Peter was beating his head against the wall. If you believe in God, Simon, Matthew begged him again, tell the truth so that I can write it down. Can't you understand that at this moment, the future of the whole world depends on what you say? Peter was still beating his head against the wall. Blast it! Don't get desperate, Peter, the innkeeper said to him. I'll tell you what you can do to win glory for all eternity. Listen soon. They're going to lead him in here. I already hear the noise. Get up. Open the door like a man. Go take the cross from him and put it on your own shoulders. It's heavy. Curse it. And your God is very delicate and exhausted. Laughing. He shoved Peter with his foot. You'll do it? I want to see some action here and now. I would do it. I swear to you. If there were such a crowd, Peter whined, they'll make mincemeat out of me. The enraged innkeeper spat. Go to hell, all of you, he shouted. Will none of you do it? You, Nathaniel Beanstalk, you, Andrew Cutthroat, no one, no one, Pooh! to the devil with you all, all, my poor Messiah, what sterling generals you chose to help you conquer the world, you'd have done better choosing me, me, I may deserve to be hanged than have my head displayed on a stake, but I've got a little self-respect all the same. And when the fellow's got a little self-respect, it doesn't matter if he's a drunkard, a robber, or a liar. He's still a man. When you've got no self-respect, you might as well be an innocent dove. But poof, you're not worth a miserable shoe patch. Spitting again. He opened the door and stood on the threshold, puffing. The streets had filled with people. Men and women were running, shouting, He's coming! The king of the Jews is coming! Boo! Boo! The disciples burrowed again behind the barrels. Simon whirled around. Bah! Don't you have any self-respect? You're not going out to see him, eh? Won't you even give the poor fellow the consolation of a glimpse of his disciples? All right, then. I'll go out. I'll wave to him. It's me. I'll say, me, Simon the Cyrenian. Present. With one bound, he was in the road. The multitude passed by, wave after wave, in front Roman cavalry, behind Jesus bearing the cross. Blood ran over him and his clothes hung in tatters. He no longer had enough strength to walk. His face pitched more and more forward. He continually stumbled, ready to fall, and then continually set him up straight against and kicked him onward. In back ran the lame, the blind, and the maimed, enraged because he had not healed them. They cursed him and struck him with their crutches and canes. He frequently looked around him, 
would none of the beloved companions appear? What had happened to them? Outside the tavern, he turned and saw the innkeeper waving his hand at him. His heart rejoiced. He started to nod his head to say goodbye to him, but he tripped on a stone and collapsed on the ground, the cross over his back. He groaned with pain. The Cyrenian rushed forward, lifted him up, took the cross, and loaded it upon his own back. Then he turned and smiled at Jesus. Courage, he said to him. I'm here. Don't be afraid. They left by the gate of David and started up the slope, which led to the summit of Golgotha. Golgotha, all stones, thorns, and bones. Here the rebels were crucified, their remains left to the vultures. The air stank from carrion. The Cyrenian put down the cross. Two soldiers began to dig and emmed it between the rocks. Jesus sat down on a stone and waited the sun hung high above them. The heavens were white, burning and closed. Not a flame, not an angel, not even a small sign that someone there above was watching the events below on earth. And while he sat and waited, crumbling a small clod of earth between his fingers, he felt someone standing before him, looking at him. Raising his head calmly and without haste, he saw and recognized her. Welcome. Welcome, faithful fellow voyager, he murmured. Here the journey ends. What you wanted has been accomplished. What I wanted has also been accomplished. All my life, I toiled to turn the curse into blessing. I've done it, and we are friends now. Farewell, mother. He waved his hand languidly at the savage shade. Two soldiers grabbed him by the shoulders. Get up, your majesty! They shouted at him. Mount your throne! They undressed him, revealing his thin body. It was covered with blood. The heat was intense. The people, tired of shouting themselves hoarse, watched mutely. Let him drink some wine to gain strength, a soldier suggested. But Jesus pushed away the cup and extended his arms to the cross. Father, he murmured, your will be done. The blind, the leprous, and the maimed now began to howl. Liar! Cheat! Deceiver of people! Where is the kingdom of heaven? Where are the ovens with the loaves? Howled the ragamuffins, and they barraged him with lemon peels and stones. Jesus spread wide his arms and opened his mouth to cry, Brothers! But the soldiers seized him and hoisted him up onto the cross. Then they called the gypsies with the nails. But as the hammers were lifted and the first blow was heard, the sun hit its face. As the second was heard, the sky darkened and the stars appeared. Not stars, but large tears which dripped onto the soil. The crowd was overcome with fright. The horses on which the Romans were mounted became ferocious. 
rearing, they began to gallop furiously and trample the jewelry. Then earth, sky, and air suddenly grew mute as at the beginning of an earthquake. Simon the Cyrenian fell prone onto the stones. The world had shaken many times under his feet, and he was terrified. Alas, now the earth will open up and swallow us all, he murmured. He lifted his head and looked around him. The world seemed to have fainted. Deathly pale, it was now just barely visible in the bluish darkness. The heads of the people had vanished, and only their eyes, black holes, bored through the air. The thick flock of crows, which had scented the blood and rushed to Golgotha, now fled in terror. A feeble gasp of complaint descended from the cross and the Cyrenian, tying his heart into a knot so that he would not weep, lifted his eyes and looked. Suddenly he uttered a cry. Jesus was not being nailed to the cross by gypsies. No, a multitude of angels had come down from heaven, holding hammers and nails in their hands. They flew around Jesus, swung the hammers happily, and nailed the hands and feet. Some tightly bound the victim's body with stout cord so that he would not fall. And a small angel with rosy cheeks and golden curls held a lance and pierced Jesus' heart. What is this? murmured the Cyrenian, trembling. God himself, God himself is crucifying him. And then, never in his life had the Cyrenian experienced such intense fear and pain. A great heart-rending cry, full of complaint, tore the air from earth to heaven. Eli! Eli! The sufferer was unable to continue. He wanted to, but could not. He had no more breath. The crucified inclined his head and fainted. That concludes chapter 29. So wherever you find yourself today and, and whatever you're doing Know that Jesus Christ loves you. I do too. It is a gorgeous day out there. So get out and enjoy some fresh air. Thank you for being here. And God bless you. Bye.
Until 